to the Healing Health Podcast. I'm Amber Petty. In this episode, I'll be talking to Associate Professor Gary Sachs from Deakin University's Institute for Health Transformation. We sat down to discuss his research on Australia's laziest food companies and the creation of the Obesity Prevention Report Card. Join us now in the conversation. So Gary, welcome to the podcast. I can't move forward without talking about your title or part of your title. So Gary Sachs is a Heart Foundation Future Leader Fellow at the Global Obesity Centre at Deakin University. What does that mean? <laughs> well, uh, I work at Deakin. Yes. <laughs> and um, our research group is the Global Obesity Centre. All of us uh, in the group do, do research on how we can address obesity. Mm. And uh, I've secured a fellowship from the Heart Foundation to do my research, which what that means is that money from the Heart Foundation is being used to fund my research. Um, um, and that's in, in recognition by the Heart Foundation that obesity is a major contributor to heart disease. And so anything we can do to address the problem will help out with heart disease. Uh, so you're in the gifted position of actually there is funding. This is a genuine um, uh issue so there's money there for you to do what you do best that's right um, whereas some of the other people obviously that i've spoken to are hoping to get more funding um for their research uh that's right it's a very competitive environment to get research mm -hmm. money and so um it, it's it's great that the heart foundation recognized the importance of this research yeah okay well that's kind of answers i guess um in in terms of obesity you know what are some of the biggest diseases that are related to obesity so it's heart disease heart disease is like the number one killer of australians is that right yes that is right and we know that unhealthy diets is a huge contributor to that yeah um so if we can take steps to improve our diet we'll reduce heart disease and we'll also reduce cancer rates and diabetes which is uh, a, a major problem for australia so I understand that heart disease is one of the biggest killers of Australians. Um, I understand we've got an obesity issue in Australia, but I'm more confused around why we have an obesity issue in Australia. And I guess what is obesity? In my head, I have an idea of what I think is an obese person, but I'm, I, I may have that wrong because I also know that we have such a huge obesity rate, which doesn't seem to fit with what I see out in society. What does obesity literally look like? So the World Health Organization defines mm. obesity as a BMI over 30. So that, mm. um, and they define overweight as a BMI over 25. So it really, it's just about excess weight and the risk of diseases really goes up when your weight is above a BMI of 25. Mm. Now in Australia, about two thirds of people are considered overweight and, and so that means they're just at higher risk of heart disease and diabetes mm. and, and these other diseases that are linked to that. So it's a major public health problem for Australia. So, okay, so it's not – so when we're talking obesity, are we still encapsulating people that might be, for instance, a size 16 or are we, are, we encapsul are we putting people under the banner of obesity that would have the, no clues that they were being included in that? Uh, yeah, I think people – 
certainly a lot of people would be surprised when they work out what their BMI is yeah. that, that it's actually they're classified as as obese. Yeah. And so people that we would maybe describe as uh, carrying a little bit of extra weight, mm. actually the, their risk of disease is is higher than if they were at a healthy weight. And why is that? Well, the the physiology of it's probably a little bit too complex to go into here, but it, it's just, I guess, it's harder for your body to to function well mm. when when you're carrying extra weight. Your arteries are, are clogged with with extra fat, and there's really good evidence to show that um, several diseases are. You're more likely to get several diseases if you're overweight or obese. Mm, it's interesting, isn't it? Um, and and just before we move on to the interesting report you've done, which really kind of like puts a spotlight on food companies and the part that they play, is the obesity uh, rates or um, levels in Australia? Is it at its worst now, or is it is have we got better, but it's still not great? Like, what does that look like? So, since the 1980s, obesity rates have been steadily climbing, mm. um, and and we've probably at at around about the highest level. Um, in kids, there's some evidence that maybe the, the rates in kids are sort of stabilized, mm. but at a really high level. But for adults, it, it is the highest it's been. And as I say, the health consequences are really serious. This has major economic costs mm. to, to Australia. It's costing us billions of dollars. Um, and obviously, the health costs um, are, are really important to all of us. Mm. So apart from heart disease, what are the other costs that, to the healthcare system for people? Or is it just sort of any, I guess, health-related issue is... Yeah, there's, there's a number of diseases that are linked to obesity. And yeah, so, what are they? Um, so diabetes, heart disease, several cancers um, are affected by your weight. Um, Which type of cancers? So um, colon linked. cancer is one of the biggest risk factors, one of the biggest cancers in Australia that, that's linked to obesity. So is breast cancer. Um, there's no doubt it's a major problem. And, and so that's why our research is looking at how do, how do we fix this problem? Mm. Yes, and also what I'm getting to know more through doing this series is where you say money, where money is being spent on heart disease, diabetes and all of these areas and then there's all of these other areas in our healthcare system that absolutely need more money. They, you know, they need some of this shifted shifted over. That's integral to yes. the health of our health system. Okay, so let's talk about the interesting report that you did um, that rated food companies in Australia. Tell me about that. So we know that if if we want to address the problem of obesity, we need a, a whole of society approach. So that means mm. we're going to need governments to take some action. We're going to need food companies to take some action as well as the community in general. Mm. And so what we, we did in this report is look at what role food companies are playing in obesity and, and how seriously are they taking it taking the problem what steps are they taking to address it mm. uh, what the report did is we looked at the biggest food companies in australia so so these include um yeah, who are big, they? big food companies like um people would know companies like nestle and mm. kellogg's and mm. unilever and um, we also looked at companies like the fast food companies mcdonald's kfc mcdonald's um uh, mcdonald's I mean, I, I, you know, and, and look, I, I'm now pescatarian, so a lot of what McDonald's does I no longer like, although I, gosh, I loved a Big Mac. Um, but they seem to outwardly seem very clever in they have responded to the shift in health concerns for Australians, while no doubt also being one of the biggest food, you know, restaurant or, you know, 
restaurant caterers to, I would imagine, obesity, you know, um, affected cu- uh, customer. Um, what are your thoughts on how they have operated? They seem to be a trailblazer in at least looking like they've responded. Well, yes, these companies are all really good at looking like they're responding. Um, so M- McDonald's mm. um, likes to position themselves as someone who might care about your health. And, yeah. and yes, they, they have taken some steps to to have some healthy options on their menu. They certainly make some commitments around um, how how they market um, th- their products. Yeah. Uh, they make promises not to market their, their unhealthy products to kids, for example. But really what our research shows and, and what, I'll, what I'll explain yeah. is that a lot of a lot of this is window dressing. Mm. McDonald's, let's not kid ourselves, makes most of their money out of selling Big Macs, which with fries and a Coke. Mm. So while they may put a salad on the menu, that's mm. not where they're making their money. It's token. And that's not that. Yes, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And um, but equally, let's let's not pick too much on McDonald's because some of the companies are not even taking those token gestures. So so I, I guess we need to give them credit for at least uh, having some sort of conversation about it. Yeah. Um, whereas, as, as I'll explain, when I, when I give the results of the scorecard, not all companies are – it's not even They're on not the agenda of some companies. For discussion, yeah. Um, but then you may argue McDonald's are only doing that to try and disguise um, the fact that they are making a whole heap of money out of mm. flogging their junk food at us. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'll let you take me through the, your report card and how you structured it and what you found, and I'll just ask questions along the way. That's all right. Sure. So – as I said, we looked at the biggest food companies in Australia and we gave them a rating out of 100 on how seriously they're taking nutrition issues. Mm. So we looked at what they're doing to improve their, the healthiness of their products, so their, their commitments around, say, reducing salt and sugar in their products. Uh-huh. We also looked at their commitments around reducing marketing of unhealthy food to kids, which mm. we know is a key area um, of, of, of importance. Yeah. Um, we also looked at their commitment to things like nutrition labeling, um, to to how they price their products and, and, and what products they make available. When we've looked at what drives individuals to make their purchasing decisions, uh, taste is the, the biggest factor, but price comes in second. Mm-hmm. So people are looking at what products they like and how much they cost. So, so price comes into it really strongly and um, the way companies use price promotions in particular um, is is a key uh, thing that's in their control. Um, they choose what products to put on special, and um, that that influences consumption. Sure. Um, so our scorecard of companies take all took all of these things into account. Um, we we looked at what companies are promising in each of these areas, mm. and what we found is that companies actually vary a great deal about how seriously they take nutrition issues. Mm. Um, some of these big companies have quite good commitments in the area. So, for example, nutrition labeling. Several companies have committed to provide good information to consumers. There's a government uh, scheme called the Health Star Rating System, which is a voluntary scheme that companies can elect to apply to their products. And it is a simple rating system that rates a product on its healthiness. So if you've got a healthy product, it gets five stars. If your product's not so healthy, it gets one star. So some of the companies have elected to put that health star rating on all their products, which is great for consumers. Mm. So you can 
um, see at a glance which products are yeah. healthy. But, assu- but assuming those products and that those companies are doing pretty well on the star rating, or, or are you saying that they're, they're they're still having transparency, saying yes, we know that these rice bubbles are full of crap and they've got a one star, <laughs> but we're yeah. still going to be honest about that, and then it's over to you to make that decision. Yeah, and so I think some companies have taken that step and and put it on all their products, whereas mm-hmm. other companies are only putting it on their five star products. Yeah. Okay. Um, so they are being they are being honest where there may not be um, a great star rating. Well, some companies are. Some companies, and, and okay. other companies. That's why I say there's there's variation. So some companies are choosing either not to put this health star rating on yeah. their product at all, or they're only putting it on the healthy ones. Yeah. Um, we also see a b- big variation in companies' commitments to marketing to kids. Mm. So um, this is an area where the public health community has has put a lot of pressure on governments and food companies to stop targeting kids with mm. ads for junk food. Mm. Um, and so in response to this, the industry has at least pretended to take action. So some companies <laughs> make promises like we will not market our food to kids, which mm. sounds great. But then mm. when you look at the detail, what they actually mean maybe is kids under eight. So it's okay to target a nine-year-old with their, oh, that's their unhealthy so product. so dodgy. Like as if, you know, nine till... 18 is still not kids. Yeah, well, that's right. Well, I mean, okay, you know, give or take how you think about teenagers, but yeah. Well, that's right. So, wow. So the, their promises might be, uh, we, again, we, we won't market to kids, but we will sponsor kids' sport. So this is kids in primary school. We're going to flash our logo on, on the front of their, their, you know, their footy jumper. Yeah. But, but that's at the same time as they've got on their website saying we don't market to kids. And so – <laughs> really, what this what the scorecard was about is is adding some rigor to this. Really, making companies accountable to say, mm. "Hang on, we're, we're actually reading these promises you make, and we're assessing them based on best practice mm. and um, try, trying to show companies that are actually taking the lead and companies that are really either doing nothing or just mm. just tokenism." Who were some of the companies that were being particularly okay? As an example, because I know that's a really gen- general. A question, and I know that you don't necessarily want to be put on the spot by going, okay, out of the hundred names, I'm going to throw you a Nestle or a McDonald's or, you know, whatever it is. But who in relation to doing tricky things where they said that they wouldn't market to kids, but then marketed heavily in their sport? Because I think that's pretty shady. Like if you're, you know, if, you, if you've been pointed out as not actually, as as being not good for children, let's be honest, and, yeah. you know, whether, okay, let's talk about Cocoa Pops or whatever. Like, that is not good to raise your children on Cocoa Pops. Um, what is a company that has done like, okay, we, we won't market to kids, but, hey, look at us over here over at Ozkiko or, you know, the local footy game? Yeah, so, um, I mean, I said I, I didn't want to unfairly target McDonald's, but certainly McDonald's okay. do sponsor a lot of uh, community sport. And it's just that they do that as an exemption to their promise on marketing to kids. Mm. Um, we know Kellogg's um, also promises not to market to kids, but mm. they cleverly um, exclude the actual food packaging from that commitment. So it's okay for them to put cartoon characters on the Cocoa Pops mm. or on their their their, um, well, their breakfast cereals have these cartoon characters, which... Yeah. It's going um, to get if they're the, not aimed at kids, I'm not sure who they're aimed at. T- t- those little eyeballs are going to yeah. go, Mom, there's yeah. so-and-so. Mm-hmm. Um, and so so they've got these clever loopholes in their commitments mm. where it, it it's maybe okay to have a cartoon character on the front of the 
the package or it's okay to have their, their name on the footy jumpers, but at the same time they promise that they're not marketing for kids. Yeah, and they're like, okay, but we're not, we, we, we've pulled all of those TV commercials. We're not coming at you, you know, when the kids are in front of the TVs. Yeah. Well, I mean, we could we could be here for the entire podcast talking about these loopholes. Um, th- I'm interested in lots of loopholes. Can <laughs> I have another loophole? Well, you mentioned the, the, t- the, t- the ads during TV shows. What, what they say is they're not going to target kids. So that means that they don't put their ads on at, um, say, 10 in the morning when it's a cartoon, when it's a, clearly a kid's cartoon yeah. show. But we know that most Australian kids are watching TV when adults watch TV, prime time, yeah. like, oh, just before dinner and, yeah. and in prime time. And so they run their ads then. And so, so Australian kids are seeing all these ads for junk mm, food. Mm. Um, they're heavily exposed to it. But uh, the companies can get away with saying, well, we're not targeting the kids. We're, we're targeting the adults. And, and so the kids happen to see it, but that's not our problem. Oh, well, that's absolutely ridiculous. And do they get a, they get away with that or they get yeah, so at scored, the moment, score low on your report card? Well, they score low on our report card, but um, when, when the government comes to looking at the rules around what ads you can market, mm. so we, we know, for example, tobacco ads are not allowed, mm. um, but the government says, oh, no, the, gov- the industry's got their own promises around this, so it's okay, we don't need to regulate ads junk food ads on primetime TV because mm. the food industry, I've, I've read all their great commitments on that. That's what mm. the, the government says. And so they are getting away with this. And so while we're doing this research to make them accountable for this action is to try and shine a spotlight on these loopholes mm. um, and really either push for them to take serious action or for the government to put serious regulations in place to stop this. And also having worked for a media agency, they would also be spending a ton of money with the media agency and the, and the media agency would be really kind of acting as their little FBI of saying, this is where they are, this is what they think, don't worry about them, they won't turn off, you know, and also getting their money across the line and also finding the loophole responses. If it's a McDonald's saying, I've got $10 million, but we can no longer advertise, you know, we've got to pull back some money on TV because we've got the spotlight on coming at kids via the TV. Where else can we spend the money? Like we're going to spend the money, but where else do we get to them? That's right. And so knowing that they're so sophisticated in, in their marketing and they know how to target audiences through different channels, they, they get to who they want to get to. Really, um, the only way to, re- to really stop this is for governments to regulate um, this like they have for tobacco, mm. um, to, to really stop, yeah. um, stop this marketing across of unhealthy products to our children who are overweight mm. and obese. The, the way to stop that is to, to ban it across um, all, all channels. So, um, and there are several examples of countries that are now doing that. I was going to say, what countries have done that? Chile is probably the leading light where, really? where they have comprehensive restrictions on junk food advertising to is kids. right? Um, so in Chile, you can't advertise um, unhealthy products um, um, on TV um, before, before a certain time of night. It applies across various channels where these companies, through their sophisticated techniques, might want to target kids. Um, and there's several other countries in South America that are taking those uh, those steps. Um, Canada's um, been running a, a process to try and get similar restrictions in place. Um, the UK is is looking at at putting stronger restrictions in place. Unfortunately, Australian Australia's lagging behind in that area. So um, other countries around the world are recognizing the problem. They're seeing the behavior of food companies in this area. Um, 
but Australia, unfortunately, is leaving it up to the food companies to take action themselves. God, that's so lazy. I want to talk to you because I know that you have also um, done a score or a rate card on governments in terms of who's genuine and actively um, trying to help in in this area and I guess who's, you know, putting pressure or not going to put pressure on the food companies. But just going back to like um, say, you know, South America and say Chile, for example, it's purely because – the, because of the burden on the healthcare system and, and, and the costs yeah, so, that they're doing this? So rates of obesity in countries in South America have really skyrocketed. So as those countries have um, kind of increased in their economic, as they've got richer, yes. um, it, it's happened in a really short space of time. Uh-huh. Their diets have just gone out of control. So obesity rates are really skyrocketing. And so the government... The governments there are recognizing that they've got this public health crisis on their hands and they're ta- they are taking serious steps to address it. Um, we've seen um, taxes on unhealthy foods in, in a lot of countries. Mexico led the way there. Um, and strong restrictions on marketing, great nutrition labeling laws. Um, and so, so there's a whole heap of countries that are taking this issue seriously. And so we... We looked at how Australia is going compared to international best practice, um, how, how the Australian government is going. Um, and while there's some areas where the government's going okay, on the whole, um, Australia is really lagging behind. And that's really disappointing in the, in the context of how in the past Australia's really led the way in health promotion. So yeah. things like um, t- tobacco control, Australia led the world and, and still leads the world in, in our tobacco control initiatives. In road safety, Australia's um, mm. campaigns really led the world. Mm. But unfortunately, in obesity, our report cards show that we're, we're really lagging behind. How will you change tomorrow? Design a future beyond your own. Design a future that makes a difference. Deakin's research students are the best and the brightest with access to global leading researchers, world-class facilities, industry partnerships and innovative research centres designing cutting-edge solutions that make an impact. Become a changemaker. Become a Deakin research student. To discover more, go to deakin.edu.au slash research. Deakin. More than a university. Why is it not a big enough deal to governments? Is it because the interesting thing I always think as an Australian, I think, oh, we're like seen as this sort of healthy country and we've got such sporty, healthy people. Like as a, if you consider each country as sort of like a brand or an identity, I would have thought that we were known as being a healthy nation and healthy people, but we're clearly not. Why rates, is it not rates on the of obesity in Australia are, are, are really high compared to other countries, similar countries to us. Um, the the reasons are complex. Com- Policy making is is complex. But what what we have found in our research is that it's the lobbying of food companies um, that has really prevented strong public health action in this area. So the food companies um, are very close to government. Mm. Um, in what way? Like, how does the government benefit? I mean, you know, obviously, obvious there's taxes and whatever. But if you can just break down, like, like how, so, how you know, food companies, like, why, why would a particular politician or government, you know, need need to tread carefully with, say, a Unilever? Well, the food companies. You said they're smart about their marketing, but I think they're even smarter about how they lobby government. So they they make the case to government about how many jobs they. 
they create, uh-huh. um, which is certainly true. They, they are a big part of the economy. Um, but they would uh, threaten government that if certain public health policies go in place, then that would, uh, they claim, would be catastrophic for, for their their jobs. And no um, one and, wants that on their watch. That's right. Um, a, a key example, if I, if I give you one, is, is food company lobbying against taxes on sugary drinks, where um, um, the big soft drink companies claim that that would, would lead to big job losses, mm-hmm. it would affect the economy. Um, Are we talking sh- like a Coca-Cola or yeah, something? Okay. Coca-Cola, but also the, the sugar growers. Um, so f- certainly up in Queensland, uh, we know Queensland grows a lot of sugar. Mm. Um, but really when we've, we've looked at the, the evidence around their claims, the food companies' claims around how this would harm the economy, yeah. um, they don't stack up. So for example, sugar growers, um, most of Australian sugar is exported, um, the vast majority. Right. And so... When, when we've done the analysis, if, if you look at how a tax on sugary drinks would reduce consumption of soft drinks, mm. um, it would have um, a minuscule effect on sugar growers. It, it would hardly affect sugar growers at all. But yet the industry is, is very smart at lobbying government and um, saying that, that these efforts would affect the economy, affect jobs, mm. and so governments don't want to touch it. So because it's the, the figures that they, like, they're, they're presenting them with documents to say, right, this is, you know, categorically what would happen, therefore what would happen on on, on your kind of watch? Yeah. Do, do, are they kind of like f- speculating and forecasting in yeah, a way that's, that, that... That's right. They're, they're, right. They, those, the evidence that they're presenting to government wouldn't stack up if, you, if you ran it through a scientific process. Also, um, but there's other ways that they lobby government. Yeah, what, what are the other ways? Because I so, imagine there's a lot of kind of like, I don't know whether you call it, emotional blackmail, you know, government blackmail, like blackmail in terms of a veiled threat that this could happen and it's not going to be great for you. So one strategy is through political donations so many food companies and companies in general make make large donations to that's a to worry in itself political isn't it? parties oh it's a big worry and so a major worry um so w- w- when that's if, that's as, our as a, that's our gun that's our gun issue really isn't it if you're looking at if 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 america how many people are lost in america obviously i know they have their own obesity issues but how many people are lost in in america you know, buy guns. Okay, thankfully we have we don't have that significant issue. Yep. But we have a significant issue of people dying related to obesity, related, you know, health diseases. So this is isn't that a little bit the same that if I'm making a big donation to a political party and yet I am at the core of, um, you know, the tentacles that lead to you know, thousands and thousands of Australians dying, that seems really dodgy. Well, certainly there's a concern that the politicians are making decisions not purely on what's best for the country. So so it's certainly what we would want is our politicians to be making decisions in the public interest, not the private interest. Correct, yeah. Um, other ways that companies lobby government or, or try and, and influence policy to be mm. in their favour are through initiatives like their voluntary commitments in this area. So um, I've, I've touched on the example of, of marketing to kids where uh, the, 
the food companies have really close relationships with politicians where they say, no, no, you don't need to regulate us at all. We've look at our strong policies in this area. We, we, we're already doing stuff here. Don't, don't worry about regulating. We've us. got it covered. Leave us. We've got it covered. Yeah. And you see examples of the health minister in, in a photo shoot with the head of the beverage council. They represent Coke and Pepsi. Um, and they're, they're arm in arm talking about the great commitments wow. that the, the industry is making. And so, so really, as a society, we need to be asking whose who's interests do the politicians have at heart? Yeah, that's that's a that's the really powerful thing that I think I, you know I'm getting at out of this is look through the smokescreen. What's honest and, and the ag- agendas? Yeah, that's right. And so um, back to our scorecards is is yeah. this is this is our our effort to try and make uh, both the politicians and the food companies accountable for what they're actually doing in this area, comparing them to what international best practice is and uh, trying, to, trying to drive some change through that mechanism. So what is the how, – how do you go about approaching the governments with your findings both on government and also on the food companies? Like what, what is it like a email going, hey, just got some stats through, mm-hmm. you might be interested in. How, how does that work? Well, what we found is that the media really love this type of research. A scorecard is very media friendly. Uh And so when we've released these results um, with the scorecard showing kind of which state in Australia is doing the best um, or which food companies are, are doing the best or worst, um, it's got great media pickup. I see. And so what, what, it's like an open letter to the government. Hey. Yeah. And so what we found is that the, the media attention really helps raise the awareness of mm. the senior decision makers yep. to this issue. Yeah. Um, and, and it really gets it on their agenda because it's on the front page of the Herald Sun or, or, or the, the national newspapers. Yeah. Um, it's on the radio. Um, we've, we've seen that that has generated formal responses. Um, when we raided governments, we got an, a, a formal response from the government as well as the opposition who's um, explaining their, their performance um, from food companies. Uh, the, the day we released the results rating food companies, uh, we had several different responses. One of the, the CEOs of one of the fast food companies recorded a, a YouTube video explaining their commitment to health in response to our report. So it, it, that just showed me that they're, they're at least taking notice. We're mm. getting it on their agenda. And as I say, some companies ignored it. But other, company, other companies recorded videos. And a couple of companies actually threatened to sue me um, for for putting out the report that they didn't quite like the results. Um, of course, there were no you know, basis to to those threats. We were we were presenting our research, but I, I are you allowed to say who who came in with the lawyers? I, I won't go there. Okay. But as a researcher, it was well. While I didn't appreciate getting the legal letters, it did show me that um, this idea of rating companies and putting it out there, getting mm, media mm. exposure is getting their attention they're yeah. taking it seriously and our hope is that that can lead to to action down the track and so are you continually monitoring um as you know based on the scorecard like how often are you doing that because it's obviously something that is getting attention and is needed more and more yeah so we certainly plan to regularly repeat the the exercise um every couple of years we'll, we'll release new reports and so They'll get that idea. We're on their back. We're watching what they're doing. Um, and even though maybe two years sounds like a long time, um, we do recognize that policy change takes time. And these companies, it's often a complex hierarchy to, to mm. make decisions. So, And um, it can also be refreshed and changed within two years. Yeah, that's right. So um, we, we certainly plan on, on keeping on their back and, and 
um, also at the same time pressurizing government to to take action like other countries have taken action. Mm. Um, where do we find uh, where do we officially find your report card? Um, well, perhaps uh, the, it, it's all on on the web. The, so I, I'm sure there's a way we can add the links to to the, the podcast. Where, yes, where that's a good can, idea. We'll do that. See those links. Yeah, we'll do that. So um, uh, I'm sure people will be wondering in terms of uh, your report card on on governments, who came out as the better guys and who came out as not so great. So this. We rated the federal government mm -hmm. as well as each of the states. So the federal government, if you compare them to other countries around the world, are kind of mediocre. There's a few things they're doing well, but mostly kind of pretty average. Mm. Um, when you look at the state governments, uh, there's some states that ha are taking obesity really seriously. Um, so uh, recently the Queensland government has just put out a really strong obesity prevention strategy. The ACT government has... Um, for many years, had a, a strong obesity prevention mm, strategy mm. in place. And other governments around the country are, are maybe taking action in some areas, but not in others. So mm. it's a bit of a mixed bag. Um, so you'd see good practice in, in one state in one area, but, mm. but that state's falling down in others. Sure. Yeah, exactly. Um, what are Queensland doing? Like what's part of like, do you know specifically what are, what are Yeah, the probably the, the biggest thing that Queensland are doing is that they've uh, – stopping outdoor advertising of junk food. So anything that's really? government-owned, um, like the train stations, bus shelters, they're getting rid of junk food ads there, which is really great leadership from the Queensland government. Yeah. Um, and it's something that's really in the control of governments to take action. They, it is. They own the train stations. Um, they could just make the rules. Sorry, no, no junk food ads there. And that's what Queensland have done. That's fantastic. And ACT, similar? Yeah, ACT have done the same thing, but they also, and in addition to that, they've got a whole range of initiatives to help companies in the ACT um, and the communities to take action against obesity. Mm. Okay, so now I'm really interested in finding out in terms of um, food companies, I don't know whether you've also sort of related this back to governments, but it, who are the food companies, like are you, is part of your report looking at um, climate change and the um, you know impact on the on the environment that these companies are having because it must be substantial. So our our research does not specifically look at the impact on climate change, mm. but what it what we do know is that there are strong links between uh, obesity and climate change. Mm. Which um, how does that work? Yeah, it, I think it comes down to the underlying drivers of both of those. So. Um, obesity is driven by overconsumption. We're overconsuming yeah. food in this case. Yeah. Um, but climate change at its heart is about overconsumption in general. We're mm -hmm. just consuming too much and that's bad for the planet in, in yeah. very simplistic terms. And so the, the underlying driver of both of obesity and climate change is this focus on overconsumption. And for a company where, where that, how that plays out is that companies are focused on short-term profit growth. So it's not enough to just make money. Every quarter you need to make more money. And that's how the stock market values uh, companies. And, and so we have an economic system that is pushing companies to sell us stuff all and, the time, relentlessly, more and more, more, and more every quarter. Yeah. Um, and so while our report only looked at nutrition, the, mm. the, under, the underlying point is that companies can't just look at profit. 
it, mm. it, it, mm. as a society, that, that is not working for no. us. The, the consequence is we're seeing climate change as, as a consequence. We're seeing obesity as a consequence. Yeah. And so what, how I see business models of the future yeah. is looking at uh, ways to make money that are not bad for our health and are not bad for the environment. And when, when investors mm. are, are assessing where to put the money, where to put our superannuation funds, mm. um, it, it isn't good enough to focus solely on profit. Um, mm. And so we need to look at other mechanisms to value and, and to report on how mm. companies are going on our health mm. and on the environment. You've got some ideas on what you would like to see in the future on that, haven't you? Well, yeah. So there is a responsible investment community, yeah. which which is a whole industry looking at ways that we can invest money in a in a responsible way. Mm. Um, so many people might know when they fill in when they get a new job and they've got a new super fund. Mm. Um, you get the option of um, typically. Uh, you can invest in the growth fund, which is going to make you lots of money quickly, yeah. or you can have a stable fund. But there's also the option, many people would have seen a green option, where you you can invest in companies that are good for the environment. That's probably a, a minor player at the moment. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel yeah. really, really bad and ignorant that I've never seen that on there or I didn't know uh, about maybe that. Maybe that your fund doesn't have that, but but certainly some funds do. Yeah. But where, where I think as a society we need to go is that in addition to just looking at green investments, yeah. we need to think of health being incorporated in that. Yeah. And so we need to have ways of, of evaluating companies' impact on health. Mm. And then we need to mainstream that when we're all making investment decisions through our superannuation. Yeah. But also more importantly, I guess the, the massive hedge funds that are investing billions of dollars every day, mm. They need to be worried about not just short-term profit growth, mm. but also thinking about the impact that these companies are having on our health and on the environment and factoring that into investment decisions. Yeah. And then we know that we're not buying into, literally, uh, the greed model. That America seems to be running like a dog chasing its tail, caught up in the whole structure of the greed model, you know, in the healthcare system, in their, you know, product ma production, manif like everything – yeah, well, it's not just America. I think no. I think it's the whole global system is is caught up in that model. Mm. Um, and there are, there are really um, good mechanisms in place where where this can shift. And certainly in in younger generations, we we know that uh, social consciousness is is increasing. Um, and so what what as a researcher, um, I'm looking at ways on how we can. Uh, accurately reflect companies impact on on more than just the economy mm. um, and also how to get uh, investors to really take this into account mm. and what actions individuals can take to influence yeah. these companies through where we put our money through superannuation but as well as just general advocacy that we're saying that the current system just is not good enough yeah that's right I think we all I think not we all but Enough of us and more and more of us day by day want to be um, feel like that we're not just in the control of these companies and this system and the government and everything that we want to have our own sort of footprint in it, in it all. Yeah, that that's right. And so for, for how I see my research uh, fitting in is that even – so we're focused on companies' impact on nutrition really, mm -hmm. um, but uh, we can see broader implications for um, – assessing a whole range of companies on their impact on health and the environment. Mm. Um, and so that we can move towards a model where you can make money in a way that's good for people and the planet. Mm. And show that it can be done. That's right. Thank you. 
What a great, fascinating chat. Thanks, Gary. Thanks for joining in the conversation with us about our healthcare system. If you'd like more information on any of the topics or researchers in this series, simply head to iht.deakin.edu.au.